out of Russia, they had more of an orthodoxy, more of a Pentecostal kind of flair. And they came to the United States and they tried to hold on to their culture like that. And so, and so I ministered to them. It was the strangest thing. And they were all falling out in the spirit and acting all spiritual and, and praying in the spirit real loud and this kind of stuff. I thought, wow, wow, this is interesting. And then they said, hey, the next day they were like, hey, do you want to come out? We're going to do a little fun time out in the park with all these young adults. And so it was hundreds of them. I was like, sure, I'll come out with you guys. And I get out there and those same young people, are you tracking with me? Who've been, oh, so glorious God. Now all of a sudden these girls who've been wearing skirts and could not wear, you know, pants to church. Now all of a sudden they got their little daisy dude uh, hoochie shorts on. All these dudes got their little, you know, they got their shirts off and they're flexing their abs, playing volleyball in front of all the girls. And you look over and before you know it, they're making out behind trees. They're sitting in each other's lap. Come on, doing a little lap dance thing. And I thought, my God, my God, what happened to these Christian kids? Later that day, the elders of the church called me into a meeting. It was the strangest thing I'd ever experienced. Now, I want you to picture your favorite 1980s Russian movie. And so they called me into this room. And there's about 20 of these pastor elders, men. They're all sitting there with suits and ties. And they're all sitting there looking at me like this. And they got the, I got a little young guy translating. And the bishop wants to meet with me. And so, you know, I'm, I'm ready. Like, well, let's go. I'm in this thing now. And I don't work for you, so I don't care what I say. And so, and so I, I sit down, and they're all sitting there. You, you picture, like, the only thing was missing was the cognac and the cigar smoke. I mean, it was just dreary looking room and this big table and they're all sitting around and they're all looking at me with their chin out like that and they and the bishop says you know and the little guy says he wants to know what can they do to keep their young people from being americanized and i said tell him nothing and the guy was like no i ain't telling him that well you tell him that and he's like no i'm not telling him. so you tell him that i'm gonna knock you out right here in front of him and so you know he's or whatever, you know. And then, and then you could see, and they all got real, their face got real intense. And I said, now keep translating what I'm going to say. I said, the book of James tells us that it's their own evil desires that drag them into temptation. You think that somehow keeping them away from American culture, because you see American culture is bad, they live in America. You're not going to keep culture away from them. What you need to teach your young people how to deal with is their own evil desires that love sin because every one of us have a flesh nature are you with me say yes every one of us have a sin nature that loves sin we all have an appetite for sin we all have that and it may not be the same as everybody else but every one of us have an appetite for sin we have fleshly appetites and friend i'm here today to help you get free and help me get free are you with me say yes come on are you with me say yes so one of the best passages on this whole battle between our sin nature and our flesh, we find it in the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Turn there with me. We're going to read a good bit of the Bible today because this is church and we do study the Bible. Even if other uh, places maybe don't, we, we do. And so in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you'll walk by the Spirit, then these sin nature pieces of who we are, you won't gratify them. You won't give credence to them, if you will. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And everybody say amen right now. Because you had some fleshly moments driving in here. You ought to understand my, 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 my welcome team, my, uh, my, 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 you know, our cafe team, always tell me about your flesh moments. 
just so you know. Pastor Adam, it was a tough day today. This one lady, oh my gosh, she took a sip of the, of the latte and went, this is nasty, and threw it in the garbage right in front of us. I said, she did. Did y'all pray for her? She's like, no, she was mean, Pastor Adam. We just let her go. And I just, oh, it's okay. She was having a flesh moment. And then she got up in the service, and the glory of God fell, and she probably felt bad about it, or maybe she didn't. I don't know. But the bottom line is we all have flesh, which is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh? They are in conflict with each other. Everybody say conflict. That's why sometimes you think you're crazy. Seriously. You're like, well, I, I, I'm full of demons. Must have demons. Because I love Jesus, and then all of a sudden I'm doing this stupid thing. Are you tracking with me? And the Bible literally lays out, yes, that's exactly right. Why? Because when we became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came and lived inside of us. He came and lived. In, now all of a sudden we're convicted. I, I tell people all the time, before I was a Christian, I'd I cuss you. I would steal from you. I would lust every, I mean, I, was, I loved my sin. And then I got saved. I became a Christian. The Spirit of the Lord came inside of me. And now all of a sudden, when I would cuss you or go to cuss you, I felt bad about it. I didn't feel bad about it before. I didn't feel bad. And until I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I couldn't stop acting that way. And once I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I had power all of a sudden to say, no flesh, you don't have authority over me. I'm going to walk by the Spirit. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. And so there's this missing element for so many believers. I'm like, have you, have you, experienced, the, have you experienced the fuego del Espíritu Santo? Have you experienced like the full immersion and the power that God promised you? And don't tell me all the time, I don't know what you're talking about. And I made a commitment to Christ, and I love him, and I know the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And I'm always con constantly telling him, but you need to learn to walk by the Spirit. And there's a baptismo piece that, friend, I'm telling you, I've experienced, and it changed everything for me. Keep reading. It says, but verse uh, 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh, everybody say acts of the flesh, are obvious. And then he gives us a list of these. He goes, he, sexual immorality, covering everything from heterosexual sex outside of marriage to homosexual sex to all these perversion pieces, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry. You say, well, we don't really have idolatry. Sure we do. I know people who love their kids more than they love God. And idolatry is worshiping or loving or giving affection and attention to something, someone more than you do to God himself. And so I know people who idolize, they are, their idol, their great idol has a big, uh, um, a, a big star out of blue on it with silver around it. Anyway, I'm going to leave you alone right there. It says, and continuing on, and witchcraft. Now you say, well, how, why is he telling Christians that their acts of the flesh are obvious and witchcraft being part of it. Because the Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And that witchcraft lit literally is giving yourself over to ideologies and spiritual things that are not like God and are not of God. Are you with me? Say yes. He continues on. Hatred. Oh, watch out, church. That's why I'm always fussing at you. I'm always pushing you. You cannot have hatred in your heart. You don't know what they did to me, Pastor. I don't. I don't, I don't understand the depth of what you're experiencing because it's your experience. But I know this. How can we expect him to forgive us our sins if we don't forgive those who've sinned against us? That's Holy Scripture, by the way. That's not Adam McCainism. He says, and he goes on from hatred to discord. Oh, my God. 
Oh, that sin nature all up in the church full of discord. Everybody being mad at each other and being upset. You voted this way. I vote this way. Posting about this. I was so frustrated in the midst of 2020 and 2021 with how the church acted. So full of discord. We're supposed to be unified. Even if my brother don't vote the way I vote, he's my brother. Even if my sister don't, don't, don't see it the way I see it, she's my sister. And I'm standing with her. Even though I might pull her aside and say, oh, girlfriend, don't post that. That is so wrong. But I love you. Please, let's be unified in this thing. And he continues on. And he goes on from there to jealousy. We ain't seen none of that in the church. That's that, again, that's that sin nature. He says, jealousy, fits of rage, help us Christians, losing your mind in Walmart parking lot. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And look what he says. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live this way, everybody say live this way. You didn't get it. Say it again. Live this way. So let's back up to James. James gave us these three little steps or these three little phases. You have this evil desire. Then you start acting upon it. And then the more you act upon it, the more you start living in it. And now you, it's become more of what you are. That's how you can tell the difference between a Christian and a fake Christian. Because fake Christians don't mean to, but they've given way to their flesh, to their sinful nature. They've gone back into their old ways of living, and that sin now has propagated so much that they now are living in it. Are you tracking with me? And so, and so because we as Christians are sin prone, but we're not sin committed. I'm going to let that sink for just a second. Sin prone, not sin committed. And so that's how you can look at someone and tell by the fruit Jesus talks about. They say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but, but, but you live in drunkenness. You live in debauchery. So that doesn't, that doesn't jive properly, right? Like you said that you're a new creature in Christ, but yet you're still living in the old ways that we all got delivered from. And so Paul actually is dealing with that. And he goes, he says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not Everybody say, will not. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't think you can get any more clear. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he gives us hope in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the proof, the fruit. He's using kind of imagery there. Like you can tell that it's an apple tree because it gives off apples. You can tell it's a peach tree because it gives off peaches. Peach trees don't give off apples, right? It produces what it is. Right? And he says, and so he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Oh, I'm so proud. We just did uh, last Saturday, um, not this one passed, but the one before that, uh, the autos the did their, their homegoing celebration of their baby, um, who, who you, as you as a church, been praying for us and praying for them as they had the loss of their child. And I want you to know that afterwards, they looked at me and they said, this season of mourning is over. We feel joy. We sense the joy of the Lord in the midst of our pain. The Spirit of the Lord, living by the Spirit, produces joy, love, joy, peace. So whenever I'm lacking peace, I recognize, ooh, I done got back in the flesh. I'm not walking in the Spirit. Because the proof that I'm walking or living by way of the Holy Spirit is that I'm at peace. Are you still with me? Say yes. You still love me? Say yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Forbearance, kindness. That's one of, it's one of our core values here at Hill City because I've been in churches, you've been in churches. They just weren't kind. They just weren't nice. And I, Jesus was nice, even to wicked people. He was nice. 
The only time we seen ticked off, fired up, wanting to just, you know, snatch a knot on somebody's head is when the religious leaders were misappropriating the believer. When the religious leaders were literally taking advantage of stealing, misappropriating the goodness of God, and they represented the Lord, and the temple was full of wickedness. The house of God was full of wickedness. And he's like, I'm going to clean this up here and now. And you see this holy fire in his eyes. You sense this, this fervor to clean the house of God. But we see Jesus walked in such kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified. Everybody say crucified. Say it again. They have what? They have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us Keep in step with the Spirit. Years ago, Miss Jamie's still mad about it, but years ago, um, we did this series called, um, I think we called it, what was it called? Stay in Step with the Spirit, or we were calling it something like that. And, uh, oh, we called it um, Dancing with the Star. And Miss Jamie, uh, for years, hoped that I one day would get dance lessons so we could, we could dance at weddings and stuff like that at the end, because I never would dance with her. I'm like, I ain't doing that. I'm a man. I don't do all that stuff. Really, it was just I didn't know how to dance. So I didn't. Well, once I got saved, I stopped dancing. And so now it's like, that's dead. I don't want to reinvigorate, you know, the wild side. You know, that's supposed to be dead. And so, and so we went on this track. And so for Christmas, I bought her, you know, some dance lessons so her and I could go learn to dance. And so she was really excited about it. And I, I didn't really let her know until we got there that um, actually we're going to use this as a video uh, we're going to video us learning how to dance to use it as a sermon series, it, and she was not happy. Anyway, so don't do that, fellas. If you're going to get dance lesson, let it just be for you and your wife. <laughs> so, but, but as the Spirit, let us stay in step with the Spirit. And I picture it much like a dance, right? Like, like someone's got to lead, right? And the problem with Jamie and I in dancing is we both are type A, and we both want to lead. And, she, and I, and I want to lead by the way I feel it. She wants to lead by the proper way of how you've been trained to dance, and, which means that we're constantly stepping on each other's toes. And what I taught us years ago in that series, you can go back and look it up, Dancing with the Star. I taught us how to literally stay in step with the Spirit, to stay in step, let Him lead. And that's a, that's a beautiful part of your development is learning to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul lays out here. And what I love about this whole piece in Galatians chapter 5 is that I feel liberated when I read this that we all have a sin nature. That, you know what, that, that, that not, this one's not better than us and we're not horrible because we have a sin nature, but there's this battle. Everybody say battle. There's this battle going on. And that's why you feel crazy at times because sometimes you're like, you know, I'm just so close to God and I would never hate anyone. And then after being at work all week till Friday, you had this thing going on inside of you like everyone should burn, everyone should die. In fact, I'm buying grenades and I'm, I'm throwing them in the office next week. Why? Because there's this battle going on between your flesh and your spirit man. Doesn't mean you're crazy. Just means you need to learn how to conquer the fleshly appetites and give freedom to the Holy Spirit to move in you. Are you tracking with me today? Say yes. Oh, you can do better now. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. I teach people all the time that you can't trust the flesh. I love every one of you, but I don't trust none of your flesh. I don't. I don't trust my own flesh. That's why I'm never alone with the opposite sex. That's why I will never DM you asking you for money. That was somebody else who stole my information and made a fake Adam McCain. I'll never ask you. I'm not going to DM you. I've just been praying. and We got these poor kids on the mission field. Can you send me money? 
I wouldn't do that. I, 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 put, I put blockades so that my flesh, can, I don't deal with all the fi- finances at the church. Aren't you glad? I mean, I don't have my hands all down in every bit of it so that there's no way that I can, quote, steal it. They're checks and balances. Because why? Not because I'm a terrible person, because I know I have a flesh. And I put safeguards against my flesh harming others. And so my wife and I, we have very clear standards. We have high standards with our Christian leadership here in the church. We make some strong, strong standards. So why? To protect against our own flesh. The reason why our small group leaders don't drink and our people on our worship team don't drink is because we understand that once they start having a little bit, having a little bit more, having a little bit more, at some point then they hurt you by way of their own flesh. Are you with me? Say yes. And so we put these safeguards in place, and you should do the same. Jamie and I have some strong safeguards. Uh, just recently, one, one of the pastor friends that we know, we love, could not believe that they had an extramarital affair going on. Blew my mind. I, I couldn't justify it. I was like, I know this guy. This guy's the real deal. You know, you know the ones that you're like, yeah, I saw that one coming. I can't believe, like, so-and-so just got exposed. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all knew that one. But then have you had the one that you were like, I don't know how this happened. She was an amazing woman of God. Why? Because she had flesh that went unchecked. She has a sin nature. She has fleshly appetites. You have fleshly appetites. I have fleshly appetites. And really the goal in the whole understanding is to get free, free from these sin nature and these fleshly appetites that will destroy us. I want to point your attention. Last week I pointed out that Eve in the garden really started this whole process for us. And I'll remind you in the book of Genesis chapter 3 how Satan comes to Adam and Eve and says, did God really say that you can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And they say, oh yeah, we can't really do that. You know, he told us not to. We can eat of any other tree but not that one. And so he says, well, that's just simply because he knows that if you eat of it, you'll be like him. And I want to turn your attention to verse 6. Look at, look at her flesh come alive in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says, and when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she did what? She ate it. I love how the scripture doesn't hold back and gives us the full picture. Eve, who is the first woman created by God, taken from Adam. She is the mother of humanity. She is precious and she's innocent. But as, as we talked about last night, as Satan introduced a lie, because he disseminates seed, she believed that lie and then look what happened. Her flesh came alive and look at the fleshliness in each one of these. When she saw that the tree was good for food. What's good? Look at her flesh. It's good. Pleasing to the eye. It's beautiful. And then what? desirable. Look how the scripture uses these words. Desirable for what? For getting wisdom. Fleshly appetites are rooted in what I call wiffle. You know what wiffle is? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? When you find yourself going, man, I don't understand why I'm even serving here. What do I get out of it? What you now are in or wiffle. You are in the depths of your flesh. The reason why your flesh literally has so much power over you is because you bought the lie that you live on this planet for your own selfish ambition. That your own pleasures is what you seek. That success in life is you getting to fulfill every pleasure you ever have. And we've watched this progress over the last 
50 years, right? It used to be, what we, why we call that older generation the great generation, the World War I, World War II generation, the great generation, is because they learned and lived by a standard that is, my own pleasure, my own safety is not more valuable than everyone else's. So they laid down their lives so that we could have freedom. So they went head first into a barrage of bullets so that we could push, the, push back the gates of hell, if you will, so we could fight those wars and win them so we could maintain freedom and pre- present that freedom to the nations of the world. And we call them the greatest generation, not because they were wiser or better technologically or had more money. We call them the greatest because they made the greatest sacrifices. And one of the great big pieces that you're going to find that our generation believes in, and that is the great lie, that your whole life existence is about what good you can get in this world. How can you benefit? What's in it for me? And can I tell you, that is the root level of everything fleshly in our lives. What's in it for me? What what am I going to get out of this? How is this going to help me? Friend, can I tell you something? There's a place in God where you grow out of what's in it for me, and you start saying, you know what? I may have to sacrifice, but so that this one can live. I may have to sacrifice, and I'm out here scrubbing the toilets to make this church a better church so that people can know Jesus better. You little sweet people that stand out out there on the welcome team, they don't get paid for all that, and it's 104 degrees, and they holding the door, sweating, makeup dripping all over. Good to see you. And you're like, wow, I didn't like the way they did that. I wish they could have been a little nicer about that listen they're giving of themselves so that someone can give you a smile when you walk in all fleshly because you just got in a fight with your husband on the way over here come on you tracking with me say yes this is the flesh and the power they're in and ae gives into it and these fleshly appetites begin to stir because in that moment guess what she didn't care about what god said she cared more about what's good for me she was motivated by her flesh on it's pleasing to the eye, and look, for gaining wisdom. Girlfriend, what wisdom do you need? You live in the garden. Paradise was stolen from humanity because of her flesh, and then Adam's flesh as well. It was stolen from us. We could live. Do you understand? She could not see that acting on her fleshly desires was going to destroy humanity. If she could have backed up And said, wait a minute, I'd like to see what the end result of this is going to be. And thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, if she could have seen babies born with tumors in their heads. If she could have seen the rape and the incest that would be so prevalent in our nations. If she could have seen the wars and the horror that taking the bite of this apple would have created. Or this fruit, whatever it was. If she could have seen that, I think she would have backed up and said, it's not worth this moment of pleasure. It's not worth this feeling good about myself and knowing. She lived in innocence. And her innocence was broken in that moment. as she knew the depths of sin because of what? Because of a fleshly moment. I would challenge you that no matter how good it looks and how good it makes you feel, that it is destructive. Your flesh is there to kill you and is part of the destruction process. But oh, thanks be to God who delivers us from our own flesh. In fact, the Apostle Paul was talking about this when he said, listen, oh, wretched man that I am, the thing I don't want to do, I do it. He says, and the thing I say I'm going to do for God, I don't do it. Who will deliver me from this fleshness? Who will deliver me from these fleshly appetites that are raging inside of me? And then he throws out this statement, but thanks be to God who delivers me from all of my sins and iniquities. Are you with me today? Say yes. I want you to know that your fleshly appetites are real. They are common to you. 
They had the power to lead you down a road where you destroy your spiritual life. And so that you and I must not just gain control, but we must get free. Are you with me? Say yes. So let me teach you how to find some freedom from fleshly appetites. Can I do that for the next few minutes? Say yes. Good. Thank you so much. Here's the first thing I would teach you to do on finding freedom from fleshly appetites. Number one, you need to identify your go-to fleshly appetite. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Every one of you have your go-to fleshly appetites. Every one of us. And it may not be what your husband has or your wife has or your kids have or what your pastor had or so-and-so had. It, every, it's, more, it's more specialized to you. And where do you, how do you get an appetite? The way you were raised? Think about it. When you were little, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, I won't eat fish sticks anymore. Because my mama raised me on frozen fish sticks. 70s. I won't eat them. There's, like, I just can't do it. Oh. Mac and cheese. That's all I ate. I had an appetite for that when I was a young kid because that's what I knew. Are you tracking with me? Some of you know anger because you saw it modeled in your home. Some of you know fits of rage because you saw that modeled as a child. And before you know it, here with your family, you just go off like crazy and you feel good about it when you do it and then you feel terrible when you come up out of that flesh and you start, the Spirit of the Lord starts convicting you because you're a believer. These things that you, some of you, your appetites were developed when you were in college. Some of you developed appetites when you were off in the military. These appetites began to, began to be developed. You, you didn't smoke until you went to the military. You didn't, you didn't have a, a difficulty with perversion until you were in junior high and you met that friend and they started showing you some things on their phone or showing you some, some porno stuff at, at, in a magazine. So you didn't have any appetite for that until someone else or some other way it connected with you and now you have an appetite for that. Does that make sense? Say yes. And so the first thing you got to do is identify what's your fleshly appetite. What's the one the enemy uses with you so much? Because again, as we read in James, it's our own evil desires that drag us into temptation. And then there are things that don't tempt you, right? Because it's just not a part of your appetite. I, I know when I became a Christian, I didn't have any problem uh, with drugs because I, growing up, you know, I saw the craziness of drugs and alcohol and I just thought, as a Christian, I didn't have any appetite for that. I, I, pride and egotism, oh, I had a lot of appetite for that. It was more natural for me to, to that's the one that got me. Uh, or even perversion, that was the one that just, like, it really pulled on me. It was more common to me than it was maybe someone else. And so each one of us have, if you will, our own special appetites. And they may be common to some other people around you, but you have the, what, the plan the enemy has against you. So number one, identify. What's the go-to fleshly appetite of yours? What is it? Is it anger? Is it hatred? Is it perversion? Is it addiction to substances? What is your, if, if you can identify that, that'll help you move forward. And here's the second thing I would teach you to do, and that is you need to crucify your fleshly appetites. Don't police them. You got to crucify it, not police it. You, you know, the difference is the policing is trying to keep it in order, not to let it get out where everybody can see it, not to try to let it get too bad. Uh, he never told us to police our, our flesh and our sin nature. He told us to crucify it. Crucify it. In fact, in the, you know, in the 15, 16, 1700s, we see these priests that literally would go into these, into these moments of uh, spanking their flesh with these. It was crazy because they took this scripture and they wanted to somehow you know, crucify their flesh by way of natural means. That's not what we're talking about. 
What we're talking about is literally looking at that thing and say, you will not live, you will die. And let me teach you some of the key ways that you crucify a fleshly appetite. The first and foremost we see in Scripture is to fast and pray. Fast and pray. Write that down because it will change your life. Fast and pray. Galatians 6 and 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And I have learned that if you're, start, if you're starting to get fleshly in an area, you're starting, to, you're starting to overeat again. You're starting to curse again. You're starting to have this, this desire like never before to look at porn or cheat on your spouse. Some fast and pray. Because what fasting does is it starves the flesh. That's what it does. It's a spiritual peace with God. And when we fast and we pray, we're saying, God, I am going to abstain. So I'll teach our young people, you know, the, you know, especially when they're in their early 20s and late teens, and, you know, they can't miss a meal or they'll literally pass out because their body, you know, their, 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 their fat index is like 3% or something like that. And they're like, Pastor, I can only fast for like food for like a day and a half, and then I'm going to die. And so I'll ask them, well, what else do you need to fast? How about you fast? How about you fast Instagram? <gasps> I know. Oh. How will I know what's going on in the world? Why do you need to know what's going on in the world? Well, my friends won't be able to communicate to me. I'll tell them, how about you fast, how about you fast that video game? Oh, I can't be the Lord. See, flesh. The flesh loves that stuff. Loves it. Oh, listen, fast. so fasting, in biblical times, they predominantly only fasted food and drink and things like that. Why? Because they didn't have a television. They didn't have a social media. They didn't have all these other things that were, that were feeding their flesh. They had their parties, and they had their drunkenness, and they had their fellowships where they overate and all that. So he would tell them, fast food, fast liquids, and commit yourself to me in that time. And if you're struggling with the flesh, I'm constantly fasting. I fast at least one day a week. And my fasting is so that I can crucify my flesh so that when I present the word to you that it comes from the place of the Holy Spirit, not from Adam McCain and all of his foolishness. Are you with me? And so I would, I would challenge you to fast towards an area of flesh that maybe has a little more control in your life than you expected it to. Are you, are you still there? Say yes. All right, here's the third thing I would teach you to do if you're going to find freedom from fleshly appetites, and that is you need to feed your spirit. Feed your spirit. Healthy eating, right? Healthy eating. You know, uh, there's there's some there's a couple in this in, in in our congregation who every time I see them they're so healthy, they eat so well, they work out, and uh, and even wrote some books about it. Come on, girlfriend, and um and so every time I complain, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm aching a little bit. That's because you overweight, past down because you don't eat right. I'm like, shut up, you don't know who I am, you don't know me. But they have changed their whole life by way of the healthy things they're eating. Do you understand how much unhealthy things you consume by way of the wickedness of this world? I had to turn off Fox News. Because everybody's, everybody's the Antichrist. I, I couldn't watch CNN. Couldn't watch anybody. I mean, I just had to turn all that stuff off. Why? Because I was so enraged. And I went like with some of you guys. I started going down the rabbit trail. Like, there's a secret group in those United States. There's only four of them that govern the whole world. Bunch of billionaires. And they do satanic rituals under the White House. I mean, I was, I was tracking with all of you that were part of that. And then I woke up one day and went, wait a minute. Well, last I read that God has kept us in the palm of his hand. 
that no weapon formed against us will prosper. All those that rise up against us shall fall. That at the end of the world, he will reign supreme. That Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. Why do the nations rage? Why do they worry when the king sits on the throne? He controls the heart of the king. Are you with me? Say yes. I had to get out of that, man, because I was consuming all of that. So I challenge you, stop consuming that, and then feed, if you will, your spirit. And that's why I'm always challenging, read your Bible. Read your Bible. I just don't understand it. Read it till you do. Because what's happening, it's affecting your spirit. It's building your spirit. You're, you're putting, l- listen, none of us, uh, I mean, when they start talking about eating kale, I was like, I'll just go eat grass in the front yard. I don't understand why y'all are all doing this. But, you know, you, you notice a couple weeks ago, Chris Estrada and Erica, you know, they're in the California life now, and they are so healthy, and I'm so mad at them. And because, you know, they're, they're good Hispanics, and how dare them stop eating all our fried food? How dare them? start eating, lacking on all the cheese and all that. But now they're in California, so they're eating all healthy and they're looking good. Their skin is so good. Why? Because what they're putting in is actually better for them. And so because you've been consuming all this other mess, you need to uh, actually, you need to come against that by feeding your spirit, man. And so that's why I teach you. Read the Bible. Here's another couple of ways to feed your spirit. That is connecting with a small group. I know I sound like a broken record, but I'm convinced that if we do what the early church did, we'll have what the early church had. And it says they met in homes. They met house to house. They, they just took care of one another. They had each other's back. They weren't waiting on the pastor to show up at their home and say a special prayer over their house so that their kids will not be demons anymore. They understood that they could walk together as ministers of, Christ, of Jesus because they were full of Jesus, that they could minister life to one another, that they didn't have this special group of leaders that the only ones who could minister. They understood that. That's what I'm constantly challenging. Get with some other brothers and sisters. Get in a small group so y'all can pray together, so y'all can challenge each other. Read the Bible and share what you just got. And they say, oh my goodness, I just got this. And you're in this group of people that are growing and maturing. Why? Because you feed your spirit when you're around other brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you tracking? Say yes. How about this other thought? If you're going to feed your spirit, that's why I'm always telling you, come on, come to Sunday services. Come get in the gathering of believers. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you walk in here, you're so mad, you're just grumpy, and you first song, and they start singing, he's like, And then I'll preach the word, and after this, you're like, Pastor, change my life. Change my life. Why? Because you're so dry. You're so dry. We need each other. We need to come together. I tell people all the time, don't let the devil trick you out of coming and being in the gathering of believers. Don't let him trick you out of that so he can dry you out, and you look like an old prune sitting out in the middle of the desert somewhere. You are, you're, the, you're God's son. You're God's daughter. You're God's elect. Come and fill back up in the spirit so you can go fight this old world system. Are you still there? Say yes. That's why I teach you. Turn off all that other music. Put on some worship music. It's amazing. I promise you. You start putting on some worship music and you turn off all that country, you know, and, then, and my, my truck broke down and my wife done left me and my dog threw up in the backyard. Can't figure out why you're so depressed. I can tell you why. Tell you why you listen to the other seven, booga booga, and kill your wife, kill your husband, kill everybody. And you're working out to it. You walk out of the gym like I'll kill everybody. Oh my god, who are you? <laughs> but the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self control. I couldn't help it, Pastor. They cut me off. And before I knew it, I was up on the side of them. I will kill you. I don't know what happened to me. I do. 
Exactly. You've been feeding the flesh. That flesh is like, and your spirit man's over here, help me. Feed your spirit, and your spirit man will, get back, flesh. You don't have any of that because you keep feeding the flesh instead of feeding the spirit. What's the old Indian parable about the, the young brave who was going to do his little peyote experience, whatever, and he comes out of the tent of visions and he says to the old wise chief, I, I saw a vision beside me. On either side of me were two wolves. One was a dark, evil wolf that had nothing but destruction for my life. The other one was a kind wolf that wanted to help me. How do I know which one is going to live and dominate my life? The old chief said, whichever one you feed. You feed your spirit and you will be a man or woman of God. You feed your flesh and it will destroy your spirit, man, and leads to death. Which gives me our last point, and that is this. Number four on how to literally find freedom from your fleshly appetites. And that is number four, try some new spiritual things. Try some new spiritual things. I know it may be a little intimidating, but pray for somebody. I was, I'm hurting in this foot today, and I went and found little Josh. And I, you saw uh, Tamika and Josh today, single mama with her son who's turning 13. And she told us from the very beginning she came to this church, she said, I'm going to need the brothers to help me raise this boy. And so we all said, yeah. And so the different men in the church will have him at things and, 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 and try to our best to support him and He's actually, actually a little actor. He's had, he's had a couple of moments in commercials, and so we're waiting for the big money to come in because the church needs a new building. Just kidding. But Josh, but Josh, I looked over at him, and he was close to me. I was like, that's what I'm going to get to pray for him. I'm like, Josh, I need you to pray for my foot. It's killing me. I don't know what I did. And he goes, I, I don't know how to pray for you real good. I said, pray whatever comes to your head. Just pray that it'll stop hurting. Okay. He's, God... If you up there somewhere, <laughs> so sweet, just now. <laughs> he Pastor Adam's in pain. Could you help him in pain? You got to go away. I said, say Jesus' name. He said in Jesus' name. I'm like, thank you very much. He tried something new. He ain't never prayed for a pastor who had a hurt foot before. Are you with me? Try something new. Pray for the guy at work who you want to stab. Say, bro, hold on just a second. Mm. Bro, come sit down right here next to me. Mm, mm, mm. Father, I just pray that you keep me from killing this man. Mm, for your blessing. So I've never done that. Exactly. Try something new. Try something new. Try, try, try giving, get, instead of your social media being so full of you. What if your social media had some things like, oh, I don't know, God touched my life today. If you're struggling with something, I'm always here for prayer for all you guys who know that I'm a believer. Oh, wait, y'all don't know I'm a believer. Let me explain to you what happened in my life. It caused me to turn away from the old world life I was living to come to Jesus. Try something new. The word that talks about the gifts of the Spirit, because we're talking about the difference between our flesh and our spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, discerning a spirit. Start asking the Lord, say, Lord, I want to I use those gifts that you've given me. And start looking to prophesy to people. I do it all the time. I'm sitting in a restaurant, and I'm always looking across the room going, who, could I, who do you have a word for, Lord? Who would you like? Yesterday, I did something very uncomfortable for me, something totally new. 
I was asked if I would come and host a, a Jewish congregational conference. I was super uncomfortable because I didn't, you know, I, I used Jesus, but they used Yeshua. And so I just knew I was going to be praying in the name of Jesus, and they were going to be, Yeshua! But they weren't. They were very kind to me. But it was a new experience for me, and I put myself out there to have new experiences. Why? Because I want to I build the spirit man inside of me and crucify the flesh man who keeps trying to dominate my life. Think about this. Each and every one of you, your palates have changed over the years. When I was a young man, my favorite food was Italian. I loved Italian. I loved the pasta. I loved it. And in those days, it didn't matter because it would burn off before I got home. And I loved it. But then I married this woman who loved Greek Lebanese. I was like, what is that trash? What is that? And she was like, will you, will you take me to Greek Lebanese restaurants? And I'm like, No. No, wait, that's Al-Qaeda right there. I ain't supporting them. What's wrong with you? And she was like, it's nice. He's so stupid. And so finally she got me in one of these Greek restaurants, and she's like, try this. I was like, you got any more of that dipping sauce right there? What's that stuff? And I promise you, now, after the years of her great influence on my life, I, if you ask me, what's your favorite food? It's Greek and Lebanese. My palate has changed. Are you with me? You can change your palate. Yes, you have an appetite for, for perversion. Yes, yes, even though you're a Christian. Yes, you have an appetite towards anger because of what you experienced. Yep, you do, but you can change your palate. Yes, you, it's more natural for you to like this over here instead of like the things of God. Listen, I would challenge you, try something new. Throw up your hands in the middle of worship. I'll never forget the first time I did that, I was like, It's like, you know, like, no, I don't really have a question, but everybody else is doing it, so there must be something special about it. Didn't even know why. I just knew everybody else at that church was doing it. I was like, this is not how we grew up in church, but okay. And then, and then there was always, you know, you've seen the Christian comedian. There's the different types. You know, there's the, this guy, and then there's that guy, and then there's this person. And, and so I just started finding my way, like, mm, mm, mm. I mean, I, but it was new for me. It was, I was, I was, I was trying to to experience God in his fullness. I wanted all of what the Holy Spirit had for me and not to be left out on any of it. You're tracking with me today? Say yes. Come on, stand with me all across the room. Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we want to respond and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, 9 o'clock and 11. And until then, we hope you have an amazing day.